Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for lock sport news. This is episode number 11. In today's episode, more lockpicking criminals, a video game lockpicking online museum, an important new Packlock military contract, an update from Sparrows on the DD pick, and of course, more giveaways, because who doesn't love a good giveaway? Correction from last week, I failed to give Bone in the Box a producer credit for sharing his giveaway on that episode, and I need to apologize to him for that. In general news that's related to Locksport, we have a headline, Man Charged for Burglary of Gilbert Temple Lockers. In Gilbert, Arizona, at the temple there, money was stolen from several patrons' lockers, the total nearly $5,000. The suspect was caught, and he told police he bought a lockpick set on Amazon and practiced using it at home. He reportedly told police that the lockers were significantly easier than any test lock he had picked before. He said he wanted to stop, saying his stomach would be in a pit, but he was unable to resist the compulsion. So I don't know if he was a lock picker type beforehand, or if that was just something he did to do the theft. Well, I guess we'll find out more later. I don't know. Maybe we won't. All right. And the next story is out of Texas, where evidently prisoners are able to open their cells at will. This is a, a, at the Dolph Briscoe unit in southwest Texas. There was a riot that broke out on July 18th. It's a medium security unit that's not supposed to hold any high-risk prisoners, but it did. And dozens of prisoners swarmed the day room and took a 21-year-old guard hostage for more than two hours. It appears that prisoners can let themselves out of their cells whenever they want. Prison officials have known about the faulty locks for years, according to a retired senior staff member. He says they just don't care. They don't put a high priority on safety and security. A spokesman for the prison system said that that is not true, that they take lock manipulation very seriously, and so it's up to you who you believe. It appears the problem isn't unique to Texas. Last year in Arizona, the prison system director abruptly retired after an investigation into the agency's failure to fix broken locks, even when they were linked to assaults and deaths. It doesn't appear that they're picking these locks. The story says that they shove cardboard, dominoes, wadded up paper, green bars of soap, pretty much anything into the door while it's open to make sure the latch can't fully engage and that way they can just pop it open whenever they want. And evidently nobody's doing checks on these things like they're supposed to or replacing the locks so that's not an issue. On a lighter note, somebody has created an online museum of in-game lockpicking mechanics. The museum... Of Mechanics Lockpicking is browsable, playable collection of lockpicking mechanics from various games. The intended audience is game developers looking to explore the range of lockpicking mechanics that have been implemented in the past. So, like all the rest of these stories, there'll be a link in the show notes so you can go check it out. 
Most of them are probably not very realistic. I don't know. I haven't had time to check it out myself, but could be a fun diversion. And on social media this week, at PacPrez, the president of PacLock, announced that they had been awarded a two-year, $1 million contract to produce Abloy-style padlocks for the U.S. military. And he says, we will save taxpayers approximately $170,000 a year versus what we all used to pay for Abloy. Abloy had had zero competition for years, now they do. Game on. And people were asking him some questions, and someone asked specifically about false gates, if it would have them. And his reply was, one thing to keep in mind, our goal for the launch is to be equivalent to Abloy's classic design. That is what the military spec will expect of us. Yes to false gates. We are even kicking around the idea of going full stainless for the discs versus brass. That would be one hell of a drill-resistant core. So I don't know about you, but I, for one, look forward to this because I would love to get my hands on a pack-lock disc detainer and see how they do it and how well they're made. I'm sure they'll be great as usual, but I am looking forward to having a local source for disc detainers. On a related note, uh, the Sparrow's disc detainer pick. I'm sure a lot of you are frustrated as I am that they aren't currently available. I missed my chance to get a hold of one when they first came out, and I've been waiting like the rest of you for another release. I saw a lot of comments on social media this week from people wondering what the status was, so I thought, why not? I just reached out to Sparrows and asked. I said, my audience is wondering about the future availability of your new disc detainer picks, and I'm asking on their behalf, could you provide us with any kind of status update that I could share? Is it a supplier issue, a change in design? You know, what is it? Is there any information that you can share? It would be greatly appreciated. And they did get back to me, and the answer was, getting steel has been the main issue. They ordered in March, but the main plant was closed at that time, so steel arrived in May. Never had issues like this pre-COVID. Since then, it's been six days a week on disc and other tools. Just working on packaging and choosing a release date that works on our end. Early September is what we like right now. So, and that makes total sense. Given the state of the world right now, there's a lot of supply chain issues, and it's kind of what I expected going into this. It's nice to have a date, you know, approximate date in September. You know, just, I know we're all frustrated, but please understand that the state of the world puts a lot of strain on the supply chain and a small company like Sparrows is going to have a hard time because they don't have a lot of control over the supply chain. Steel producers, just like any metal producer, you have to have a minimum production rate to stay profitable. If you're going to fire up furnaces and equipment, you have to be producing a certain amount to really maintain a profitability. You have to be able to sell it. And if the orders get canceled, or sometimes uh, people will ask you to delay their order because they're trying to do just-in-time stuff, and the you know their orders are slowing down, so they want to delay receipt of their order, so now you don't want to produce it right away. So a lot of factors come into place here, and you have to 
understand that Sparrows doesn't have any control over that. If a metal producer, like the one I work for, has to stop production for a little while, that's going to affect the rest of the supply chain. And a metal producer is not going to keep producing to do a couple of small orders. It costs them way too much money to fire up. So they may say, well, we're just going to delay everybody's orders and shut down for a period of time, and then we'll start back up. All right, and some news this week from Mako Locks. The new Mako Model 425 Lotto is officially for sale in two packs, as long as you want them in blue. You can check it out at uh, makolocks.com. So I've seen them. They look pretty. I haven't ordered any yet, but they do look nice. And there was what I thought was a really interesting article uh, shared on the Extraordinary League of Pickers Discord by MyKey. I'll have a link just like all of these. There'll be a link to this in the show notes. It's a fairly long article, but I'll just read one paragraph that kind of summarizes what's going on here. The headline is Picking Locks with Audio Technology. And the paragraph that kind of summarizes it is, It sounds unlikely, but security researchers say they have proven that the series of audible metallic clicks made as a key penetrates a lock can now be deciphered by signal processing software to reveal the precise shape of the sequence of ridges on the key's shaft. Knowing this, the actual cut of your key, a working copy can then be three-dimensionally printed. So basically, they're using microphones to listen to the insertion of the key and through audio processing, they can actually determine the physical cuts on the key by the sound the key makes sliding into the keyway. From that, they can then 3D print a key that will work in that lock. There are some caveats, uh, you know, the recording environment. They can work around some exterior noise, but if there's too much, that of course will screw up the audio processing. One of the things they did say is if there are a lot of keys on a key ring, the jingling from the other keys can really mess up this technology. So that's something to keep in mind. I thought that was a really interesting uh, little hack, basically. All right, and somebody shared a story called Houdini's Story About Overthinking. And the basic story is that Houdini, one of his stunts was that he would say, he could be locked in a jail cell, a prison cell, whatever, and he would be able to get out in very, you know, like an hour or so, I think is what he said, something like that. Anyway, the story is that somebody took him up on that offer, locked him in the cell. He was unable to pick the lock after a long time of messing with it. Finally, in frustration, as he leaned against the door, it fell open because it had never been locked, and that's why he couldn't pick it. I, the problem is, I can't confirm if this story is true or not. It's a cool tale, but there's people who speculate on both sides of this. Some say it's false, and they say it's, there's no documentation of it from the period, it's not in any of his biographies, and the first appearance that they this one site found was in the 1970s. I've seen several references that say it's just a, you know, folklore or whatever. I did find some sites that say it's true, and at least one of them says that Houdini himself used to tell the story. He was a good publicist of his own right, and this is one of the stories that he would tell 
a self-promotion kind of. They said, though, they kind of conflict with that and say he told it in a couple of different versions. One that he was in a jail cell. One was getting out of a safe that he had been locked in. It's an interesting story, but I have serious doubts about its authenticity. All right. So I debated about this next story, whether I should actually talk about it or not. But somebody recommended that I talk about this. I'm going to touch base on it a little bit. Lockpicking Lawyers video titled Locksmith Says My Videos Are BS Loses $75 Maybe. It's an amusing little story and, you know, it's another Lockpicking Lawyer Picks a Video Really Fast video with a twist. So first I want to go full transparency here. I, like a lot of people, found Lockpicking through Lockpicking Lawyer and Bosnian Bill. I really enjoyed their educational videos that they put out, especially earlier on. But I don't enjoy their videos anymore. Their new format of just short videos showing how fast they can get into crappy locks or, you know, advertising products don't really interest me. Not where I currently am in my lock picking journey. I understand that it applies to the masses on YouTube. It gets a lot of views. That's what most people want to see in a lock picking channel for entertainment. And I get that and I understand that. I don't hold it against them. They're making good money doing it. But it's just not what I want to see right now. So that's there. The basic story is that this guy locked his kryptonite bike lock, lost the key, called the locksmith. The locksmith came out. He asked him if he could pick the lock off. The locksmith said, no, I can't pick those. Nobody picks those. I'm just going to cut it off. And said that the lock picking lawyers videos were BS and a bunch of stuff. And he cut the lock off and then I guess made a deal with the, the person that if he sent it to the lockpicking lawyer and the lockpicking lawyer could prove that he could pick it in less time than it took the locksmith to cut it off. He would pay him the $75 back. Let's assume the story is true and it's not just a ploy to get featured on the very popular lockpicking lawyer channel. Locksmiths aren't in business to pick locks necessarily. They do it when they have to, but time is money. And picking a difficult lock even if they can do it and they are practiced on it, it, it takes time. It can cost money. Lockpicking lawyer has a lot of practice picking this very specific type of lock. He also was sitting at his desk with the right tools right next to him. He was picking in the comfort of his desk with his well-practiced tools. And he had plenty of time to practice on other locks of the same type before he shot the video. I'm not saying he did, but one way of making a pick really fast on camera is to have multiple of the same lock. He, he has said that he practices that way, have a whole bunch of the same type of lock and practice, practice, practice to get fast. And he could have done that right before this video. Just saying. From the locksmith's point of view, he's going to, even if he has the skill and the tools with him, he's going to have to pick it in place outside while it's locked on something which makes it just that much more difficult. He's not going to be readily practiced. He's not going to have practiced this right before he goes out there. He's not going to have the tools right there in easy grasp. And again, time is money. Even 
if he's successful, it's going to take a little while. If he's not, if he attempts it and he's not successful, then he's got to cut it off anyway. And then you decide, have to decide, are we getting a flat fee for this and I'm going to have to eat the extra time? Or am I going to make a deal and the customer wants me to try and pick it? I try and pick it. And if I fail, then he has to pay for my total time picking it and cutting the lock off. I don't know how that works in the locksmith industry, but that could get expensive. That could be way more than the cost of the, replacing the lock. So from his point of view, easy solution. Three minutes, I can cut the lock off and be done. So you have to remember that they're not out there picking locks for the fun of it. They're out there to make money. And I know there's some locksmiths that listen to this. Feel free to correct me if I misstated anything. Actually, please do correct me so I can get it in the, the next episode. I will put it up there. But the way I see it, if I were in business as a locksmith, picking is not always a guaranteed quick open, even if you know the type of lock. Now, back into the normal lock sport community stuff here. There's an article entitled Lock Pickers Face an Uncertain Future Online. The article quotes a John Gordon from the Longhorn Lock Picking Club based out of the University of Texas at Austin. He doesn't think that online is the way to teach lock sport. He says he has declined online meetups because he considers it an in-person type of activity. You need to learn in person with somebody there to tell you, you know, you're using too much tension, stuff like that. He says online meetups never clicked with him. Okay. They give a sort of an attempt at of counterpoint, but not really. They quote another person that says that sport lock picking is best taught in person, but it's too important to wait until the pandemic dies down. Now, I will say that there are some definite advantages to having in-person, you know, one-on-one tutoring, but I, for one, haven't had that. And I know a lot of people that pick on YouTube in that part of the community and some of them on the Discord that haven't had that. And some of them are fantastic pickers. It can certainly be done online only. So I don't, I think the, it's kind of a clickbait title, an uncertain future. I think it would do just fine. I think it is doing just fine. I think a lot of it is moving to an online method of teaching kind of naturally. And yes, if you can get out to a tool meeting and get hands on, that's great, but not everybody can. And a lot of us have learned and become proficient at lock picking without any in-person tutoring. All right, and in other news, on Twitter, 801 Labs, which is a 501c3 charitable nonprofit hackerspace in Salt Lake City, Utah, said, We've been working on something new for a while. It's about time we start sharing some details with you. Utah now has a tool chapter. First meeting is online near the end of the month, and I'll have a link to their little meetup.com site and you can go over there and check that out if you are in the utah area and you want to check out a tool meeting now i'd like to take a quick break say thank you to everyone that has contributed to this episode and everyone that has shared the episode with others we'll start off with our executive producers for this episode which are meddler and panda frog both of whom are subscribed on patreon other producers for this episode are lockolot charel starry lock keyless entry sunseb 
the bone in the box all of whom have youtube channels and those links will be in the show notes and there's a new one red-headed lock picker he's new to locksport he sent me three of the stories that you've heard in this episode and he has a brand new youtube channel and a website so if you want to check that out the links will be in the show notes and i want to give a special thanks to at PackPrez on Twitter, the president of PackLock, and Sparrow's customer service for the information they provided on the state of their products. Remember, this podcast is only possible because of the information provided by the community. So if you are getting value out of this podcast, please help support it. Help share the news with me and hence with the rest of the community. Any news, links, giveaways, anything LockSport related that you think the rest of the community should know, send to me at podcast at locksportscast.com or any of the other methods listed in the show notes. And don't forget to share the podcast with others, your lockpicking friends in person or online. And you can leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or a comment and a thumbs up on YouTube. You can also subscribe on Patreon or donate via PayPal. You can find the show on most podcasting apps. YouTube, and if all else fails, at thelocksportscast.com. But let's move on to giveaways. First up, we have Keyless Entry. His 250 subscriber giveaway is still going. I won't go over all the rules here. I will have a link in the show notes to his video so you can check out the rules yourself. But it should run through the 3rd of September, and he has two different levels. There's a beginner and an advanced giveaway package and different rule, slightly different rules for each. So check those out. Also, Sunseb is still doing his giveaway until the 21st of August. And his giveaway grows. The, the prize pool grows depending on how many people enter. And I believe at this point he has unlocked, we've got the initial prize pack. He's unlocked the one for getting to 100 subs. He's unlocked the one for both 10 and 20 entries into the giveaways. And there's one more if he gets to 30. So if you haven't already, make sure you get over there and get entered into that giveaway. The bone in the box, as far as I'm aware, is still running his. I believe his closes when he picks his Primus. But I hadn't seen anything by the time I started recording this. I hadn't seen anything about that closing yet. So get over there and check out his channel. And Starlock is still having his. Shout out Monday series where he highlights a channel with fewer than 100 subscribers and he tries to incentivize people to check out the channel and subscribe by having a monthly giveaway of a Law Lock Tools gift certificate. So if you haven't already checked that out, make sure you head over there. I'll have a link to his channel in the show notes. And last, I am still doing my Pack Luck a Month giveaway. You can find all the details at giveaway.thelocksportscast.com or in the show notes or the YouTube description, whichever platform you're listening on. Basic premise is you share information that I can use on the podcast. You get an entry for every item that you share that I use. And if you share the podcast with others online and make sure that I know about it, you will get an entry for that. So either tag me or send me a screenshot or something like that. So I know that you did it and I'll get you an entry for that share. I am asking people to back off a little on sharing on Facebook and Reddit and the Discords because 
it was starting to get a little spammy. I didn't want to be responsible for spamming those services. Remember, this podcast needs your support, so please keep sending in your news, links, giveaways, whatever you've got that's LockSport or Lock-related in general to podcast at LockSportsCast.com or whatever other method you can find in the show notes that works for you. You can share the podcast with your friends. You can give it a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever other service you listen to it on. If you're on YouTube, be sure to leave a comment and give it a thumbs up. You can subscribe on Patreon or donate via PayPal if you wish. If you support the show in any of those ways, just let me know if you want some link shared in the show notes. If you have a YouTube channel, anything like that, I will get it in there. You also get a producer credit. And thank you for listening. And remember, keep it legal.